Chapter Nine of Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Flight of the Revenge. Astounding, almost stupefying, as were the tidings conveyed by this letter, which had dropped like a veritable bolt from the blue. The challenge contained in the last sentence and the ominous name with which it was signed were matters of infinitely greater and more instant importance alan arnold was the responsible president of area first and a father afterwards he lost not a moment in speculating upon the strange fate of his son and firstborn the safety not only of area but of the world demanded his first attention and he gave it crushing the missive in his hand he took two swift strides to a telephone in the wall of the room in which he had received the message from the skies and delivered several rapid orders through it if they had been the words of a demigod instead of those of a man their effects could scarcely have been more instantaneous or marvellous on a hundred mountain peaks all around the great valley of area enormous lights blazed out simultaneously flinging long streams of radiance, dazzling and intense, for miles into the sky towards all points of the compass. And at the same moment, fifty airships soared up from their stations all around the mountains, flashing their searchlights ahead and astern in all directions. It was a scene of unearthly wonder and magnificence a scene such as could only have been made possible by the triumphant genius of a race of men heirs of all the best that earth could give them who had turned the favour of circumstance to the utmost advantage three minutes sufficed for the aerial cruisers to clear the mountains and as they did so the wide sweeping rays of fifty searchlights assisted by the blazing orbs which crowned every mountain peak illuminated the darkness for many miles outside the valley in the midst of the sea of light thus projected through the semi-darkness of the starlit heavens the flying shape of an airship was detected speeding away to the southeastward instantly the prows of the whole squadron were turned towards her and the first aerial race in the history of the world began the pursuing airship spread themselves out in a huge semicircle at the extremities of which were the two swiftest vessels in the fleet almost exact counterparts of the lost ethereal one of these bore the same name as the stolen flagship and the other had been named the aerial after the first vessel built by richard arnold the conqueror of the air a hundred and thirty-two years before these two vessels carried ten guns each and were capable of a maximum speed of five hundred miles an hour the highest velocity that it had so far been found possible to attain the others were somewhat smaller craft mounting eight guns each and capable of a speed of about four hundred miles an hour the chase either because she could not travel faster or for some hidden reason allowed the pursuing squadron to gain upon her until she was only some five miles ahead of its two foremost vessels which were travelling at the highest speed attainable by the whole flotilla she showed no lights and so in order to keep her in view it was necessary for her pursuers to keep their searchlights constantly sweeping the skies ahead of them lest they should lose sight of her in the semi-darkness 
this placed the Aryan fleet at a serious disadvantage, which very soon became apparent, for before the pursuit had lasted an hour, the chase opened fire with her stern guns, and shell after shell charged with some terrific explosive began bursting along the line of the pursuing squadron, producing fearful concussions in the atmosphere, and causing the pursuers to rock and toss in the shaken air like ships on a stormy sea. The ethereal and the aerial at the two extremities of the semicircle replied with a rapid converging fire from their bow guns in the hope of reaching the now invisible chase. All the projectiles were, of course, time-shells, but the speed at which the vessels were travelling not only made the aim hopeless, but caused such an inrush of air into the muzzles of the guns that the projectiles, checked in their course through the barrels, flew wild and exploded at random, often in dangerous proximity to the vessels themselves. Hence, after about a dozen shots had been fired, the commanders of the two vessels found themselves compelled to cease firing, and to trust to speed alone to overtake the enemy. On the other hand, this disadvantage to them was all in favour of the chase, which was able to work her two stern guns without the slightest impediment. Before long, she got the range of her pursuers, and at last a shell burst fairly under one of the smaller vessels. A brilliant flash of light, blue as the lightning bolt, illuminated her for an instant, and in that instant her companion saw her stop and shiver like a stricken bird in mid-air, and then plunge downwards like a stone to the earth. Olga Romanov, standing on the deck of what had once been the ethereal flagship of the Aryan fleet, and now renamed the Revenge, saw this catastrophe as the others had done through her night-glasses. She lowered them from her eyes, and said to a dark-eyed, black-haired young fellow who was commanding the gun that had done the execution, "'Bravo, Boris Lusensky! Did you sight that gun?' Boris drew himself up and saluted, saying, "'Yes, Majesty, I did.' then for that you shall be a prince henceforth and if you can bring another down you shall command an airship of your own then this fight is over boris saluted again and ordered the gun to be reloaded before it could be discharged a shell from the port gun which had been fired as olga spoke struck another of the aryan vessels square on the fore quarter the flash of the exploding projectile was almost instantaneously followed by the outburst of a vast dazzling mass of flame which illuminated for the instant the whole scene of the aerial battle the airship with all its cargo of explosives blew up like one huge shell and the frightful concussion of the atmosphere induced by the explosion hurled the two vessels that were close on either side of her like feathers into space turning them completely over and flinging them to the earth six thousand feet below a few moments later they struck the ground simultaneously. Two great spouts of flame shot up from the spots where they struck, and when the darkness closed over them again, four of the pursuing squadron had been annihilated. "'Better still live in Ostrov,' cried Olga, as she saw the awful effects of this last shot. "'For that you too shall be a prince of the empire, and command an airship on our next expedition.' now boris let us see if you can beat that yes majesty 
said boris again knitting his brows and clenching his teeth in anger at his rival's superior success he glanced along the line of the pursuers and saw four of the aryan squadrons flying close together he brought the gun to bear upon the two inner ones took careful aim and dispatched the projectile on its errand of destruction the moment he had released it he said to the other two men who were working under him load again quickly the command was instantly obeyed and scarcely had the explosion of the first blazed out than a second shell was sent after it the very firmament seemed split in twain by the frightful results of the two well-aimed shots each of which had found its mark on the two inner vessels with fatal accuracy great sheets of flame leapt out in all directions from the focus of the explosion and in the midst of their dazzling radiance those on board the revenge saw the two outside airships of the four roll over and dive head foremost into the dark abyss below them they struck the earth as the others had done and vanished into annihilation in the midst of the momentary mist of fire this last catastrophe made it plain to the commanders of the ethereal and the aerial that to continue the chase under such conditions meant the destruction in detail of all the smaller ships of the squadron those on board the revenge saw signals rapidly flash from one end of the line and instantaneously answered from the other end ah said olga my lords of the air seem to have had enough of it for the present look the small fry are falling to the rear our reception has been a little too hot for them i wonder what they are going to do now cease firing and let us watch them you two gunners have done gloriously and earned quite enough laurels for your first battle it soon became evident that the aryans had decided to send their smaller craft back from the speed of the revenge and the terrible accuracy and destructiveness of her guns the commanders of the squadron were now convinced that she was either the lost ethereal or some vessel even superior to her built upon the same plan this being so to have continued the pursuit under such conditions with the smaller craft would simply have been to court destruction for them in detail it was impossible for them to use their guns effectively at the speed at which they were travelling while as had been so terribly proved the chase could use hers with perfect ease the flying fight could thus only result under present conditions in the ignominious defeat of the squadron by the single vessel as long as she was able to keep ahead the only hope of success lay therefore in a trial of speed and manoeuvring skill between her and the ethereal and aerial so orders were flashed to the smaller vessel to return to area with the mournful tidings of the destruction of eight of their number as they vanished into the darkness behind olga divined instantly the tactics that were to be adopted she saw the converging searchlights of the two remaining airships begin to glow brighter and brighter in the rear of the revenge proving that they had increased their speed so it's going to be a race is it she said half to herself well we will see if we can lead them into the trap how fast are we going boris he went to the engine room and returned saying 
Four hundred miles an hour, Majesty. Make it five, replied Olga. He saluted and transmitted the order to the engineer. The lights of the pursuers immediately began to recede again. Then they seemed to stop. That will do, said Olga. They have reached the limit of their speed. Keep to the southward and see that they come no nearer. The three airships were, in fact, now travelling at their utmost speed. If anything, the advantage was slightly in favour of the revenge, thanks to the high efficiency of the motive power which had been applied to her in accordance with the directions left by Olga's father and transmitted in the will of Paul Romanov. So all the rest of the night and on into the next day pursuers and pursued sped on with fearful velocity through the air. They passed over Africa and out above the ocean and still on and on they swept until the southern sea was crossed and the mighty ice barriers that fences in the south pole gleamed out white upon the horizon. This was past, and still they rushed on over the dreary wastes of Antarctica. The pole was crossed along the fortieth meridian and then they swept northward until the smoke cloud that crowned the crest of Mount Erebus rose above the snow clouds that hid the earth. The revenge headed straight towards this and swept over it, followed at a distance of about ten miles by her pursuers. Then, with a mighty upward sweep, she leapt two hundred feet higher still, came to equilibrium and discharged a shell downwards onto the ice. The explosion was answered by the rising of a flotilla of airships which seemed to have sprung out of the bowels of the earth. Thirty vessels as large as herself rose simultaneously through the clouds and spread themselves out in a wide circle around the two Aryan vessels, which thus found themselves surrounded by an overwhelming force and dominated by the revenge floating far above them with her ten guns pointing down upon them. To an observer so placed as to be able to command a view of the situation it would have seemed that nothing short of the surrender or annihilation of the ethereal and the aerial could have been the outcome of it. So evidently thought Olga and those in command of the Russian aerial fleet, for although for one brief instant the two Aryan vessels lay at their mercy, they failed to take advantage of it, and in losing this one precious moment they reckoned without the superior skill and perfect control of their airships possessed by those of whom they thought to make an easy prey. What really happened took place with such stupefying suddenness that they were taken completely off their guard. The ethereal and the aerial lay end on to each other in the midst of the circle of their enemies. Each mounted ten guns, and of these every one was available. The crews of both vessels, trained by constant practice to the highest point of efficiency, knew exactly what to do, without so much as an order being given. Automatically, the twenty guns were trained in the twinkling of an eye, each on a Russian vessel, and discharged simultaneously. A moment later, the two vessels sank like stones through the thick clouds below them, and while the heavens above were shaken, with the combined explosions of the twenty projectiles, each of which had found its mark with unerring accuracy, 
they had regained their equilibrium a thousand feet from the surface of the ice and darted away full speed northward to such a fearful pitch of efficiency had their guns and projectiles been brought that while the aim was unerring if once a fair shot was obtained nothing shaped by human hands could withstand the impact of their shells without destruction twenty-one of the thirty vessels of the russian fleet collapsed and as it were shrivelled up under the frightful energy of the aerian projectiles twenty masses of flame blazed out over the grey surface of the cloud sea and in another moment the fragments of the vessel it had taken so many months of labour and such wondrous skill to construct were lying scattered far and wide over the snow and ice of the antarctic desert the awful suddenness with which this destruction had been accomplished deprived olga and her subordinates of all powers of thought for the moment they heard the roar of the explosion and saw a mist of flame burst out around them as though all the fires of mount erebus had broken loose at once and then came the silence of speechless horror and stupefaction it was more like the work of omnipotent fiends than of men the bolts of heaven themselves could have done nothing like it then the moment of shock passed and those who survived remembered what they ought never to have forgotten that armed as they were with weapons which under favourable circumstances were absolutely irresistible the first shot meant victory for those who fired it and destruction for their enemies odds of mere numbers went for nothing for each airship was equal to ten others provided she could send her ten projectiles home first and this is just what had happened all this had passed in a twentieth of the time that it has taken to describe it and by the time olga and her subordinates grasped the extent of the calamity that had overtaken them the two aerian vessels darting through the air at five hundred miles an hour had swept far out of range of their guns and were moreover so hidden by the cloud sea that they had no idea which course they had taken and in a paroxysm of unrestrained passion literally screamed with rage as she ordered the revenge to sink below the clouds less than two minutes sufficed for the remains of the fleet that had been thirty-one strong five minutes before and now only numbered eleven vessels to sink through the clouds a rapid glance round showed them the ethereal and the aerial tiny specks far out over the waste of snow and ice speeding away to the northward to give chase was out of the question for scarcely had they sighted them than they vanished as completely as though they had melted into the atmosphere and so olga signalled for her remaining vessels to proceed to their secret haven in the snowy solitudes of the south while the ethereal and her consort sped onward on their homeward voyage to carry the news of the terrible vengeance that they had taken for the destruction of the eight airships which had been annihilated by the guns of the revenge twenty hours sufficed for the two aerian vessels to pass over a quarter of the earth's circumference and carry their tidings of vengeance and victory to area and shortly after noon on the day but one after olga had dropped her challenge from the skies a meeting 
of the ruling council was held at the president's house in order to consider the startling and pregnant events which had taken place and to determine the plan of the war which after a hundred and thirty years of unquestioned supremacy they were now called upon to wage not only for the mastery of the world but for the very lives and liberties of the citizens of area it had of course been impossible to conceal from the inhabitants of the valley the gravity of the startling events which had taken place in such a rapid succession nor did the president and council consider any such concealment desirable there were no demagogues and no politics in area and therefore there was no need for any state secrets save those which contained the essentials of aerial navigation there was also no fear of panic in a community which contained no ignorant or criminal classes and so when the council was sitting the strange tidings were promulgated through the length and breadth of the valley marvellous and disquieting as they were they yet gave rise to very few external signs of excitement they were gravely earnestly and even anxiously discussed for they brought with them a prophecy of calamities to come the probability of whose realization was too plain to be ignored but ever since the days of the terror each generation of arians had been carefully trained to recognize the fact that the progress of science and the restlessness of human invention in the world outside their borders must sooner or later produce some challenge to their supremacy and some attempt to dispute with them the empire of the air now after four generations in spite of all the elaborate precautions that had been taken the stringent laws that had been enacted and more than once mercilessly enforced the crisis had come it was now impossible to doubt that by some means which so far seemed almost superhuman the flagship of their fleet had been stolen and the son of the president kidnapped with his greatest friend more than this the news brought back by the ethereal and the aerial proved beyond all doubt that means had been found to build a large fleet of aerial warships without even rousing the suspicion of the council and worse and most sinister sign of all there was also the fact proved by olga's letter to the president that the moving spirit of this defiant revolt against the supremacy of area was one who bore the ill-omened and still-hated name of romanoff as has been said there was no panic through the night in area but still many a man and woman anxiously asked either aloud or in his or her own soul whether in the mysterious revolutions of human affairs it might not be about to come to pass that she who had wrought this apparent miracle might not yet be able to avenge the terrible fate of her ancestor the last of the czars then with this thought came a universal revulsion of horror at the prospect of such a crime against humanity and a deep resolve to exact the penalty for it to the utmost if war was to be brought once more upon the earth those who brought it would find area worthy of its splendid traditions and ready if necessary to reconquer the earth as the founders of its empire had done in the armageddon of nineteen o four fierce as that mighty struggle had been 
its horrors would pale before those of a conflict in which conquest would mean extermination for if area was forced once more to draw the sword it would not be sheathed until there was peace again on earth even if that peace were to be but the silence of universal desolation end of chapter nine